Good morning. Good morning. All right. Um, today's reading is going to be from John chapter 10, verse 11 to 21. And the Bible says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. He who is a hired hand and not a shepherd, who does not own the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees, and the wolf snatches them and scatters them. He flees because he's a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my own and my own know me, just as the Father knows me and I know the Father. And I lay down my life for the sheep. And I have other sheep that are not of this fold. I must bring them also, and they will listen to my voice. So there will be one flock, one shepherd. For this reason, the Father loves me, because I lay down my life that I may take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have the authority to lay it down, and I have the authority to pick it up again. This charge I have received from my Father. There was again a division among the Jews because of these words. Many of them said, He has a demon and is insane. Why listen to him? Others said, These are not the words of one who is oppressed by a demon. Can a demon open the eyes of the blind? Thank you. Thank you, Doris. Uh, I want to echo what's already been said. Thank you so much. Uh, it's always uh, a privilege to stand before a group of people and proclaim the gospel, but the fact that you would uh, celebrate Resurrection Sunday with us uh, is humbling, and uh, it brings us much joy, and uh, we're excited uh, about that. Um, this, uh, here why we, we believe the Scriptures. Uh, we believe that uh, the scriptures are true, uh, and the scriptures are, are one story. They're one story about, it's 66 books, one story about Christ and Christ redeeming a people for God. Uh, the Old Testament tells us about uh, people who are looking forward uh, to the coming of Christ. The New Testament tells us about, about how Christ came and, and what happened. Uh, the first four uh, books of the New Testament are called the Gospels, and these are testimonies of the life of Christ. And the fourth and final of those Gospels is the Gospel of John. And we as a church, we, uh, we tend most of the time, not always, but most of the time, uh, we are walking through books of the Bible, and we are currently working uh, through uh, the book of John. And we, are, we have made it to, to here to John chapter 10. And what's happening here, uh, just to give some context, is uh, Jesus is talking, he's teaching to some Jews about who he is. And they're kind of all trying to decide to make up their mind about who he is. And this is Christ's final, uh, like big public uh, teaching moment, at least recorded in John. Uh, after this moment, the, uh, it's going to get very personal with, with just kind of one-on-one instances or, or, or with his disciples or uh, and, and everything is kind of going to, after this moment, it's going to be this crash course of Christ to the cross. It's going to be about him setting his eyes towards uh, Jerusalem. And this book of John uh, is written so that it says, John says the reason he wrote it so, is that so we may believe and have life. And my prayer this morning is that all of us this morning would believe and have life because of the belief in the truths that we'll be looking at this 
morning. And so it's not a, a surprise that as this is his last big public discourse before he turns to the cross that uh, a big subject of, a, a big focal point of this talk is his work on the cross and his resurrection. And so what I want us to focus in on this morning is that Christ is the good shepherd who lays down his life and takes it up again that all who believe might have life. The first thing I want you to notice is that it says multiple times here in this text is that the shepherd is good. Jesus calls himself the good shepherd. He wants us to not just know that he's a shepherd, that he is the good shepherd, the one good shepherd. And I want you to know this morning that that Christ is good. If you take nothing else away, I want you to know this morning that Christ is good and He's worthy of exploring and He's worthy of following. In contrast, the text here kind of shows us what a non-shepherd, especially not a good shepherd, but not shepherds at all, kind of how they uh, operate when they're looking after the sheep. We see that contrast In verse 12, it says, He who is a hired hand and not a shepherd, who does not own the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees, and the wolf snatches them and scatters them. He flees because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. Now, Jesus is mainly condemning the leadership of of the Jews and how how they've had all these bad shepherds that weren't really shepherds. They were hired hands. But I want to ask you this morning, is what is leading your life? What is the thing or or, a couple of things in life that give you security? That make you feel good about being you? What are you trusting in? Is it your job and, and being successful in your job of, of growing your, your bank account and your retirement? Is it romantic love? Living life, finding or living life with that wonderful other person or just finding lots of romantic love? Is it friendships? Is it, is it your kids? Is it, hey, if my kids turn out okay, if they're successful, if they're happy, then, then I will be happy. I'll be good. Is it your morality? Is it just, hey, I just got to be a good person. If I could just be considered a good person and do good things and be liked by people, then I'll be secure. What is it that you're counting on? And some of these things are not necessarily bad in and of themselves, but when, they, when they're not on the peripheral and they become your main thing, your main security, your main protection in life, those things have, have, have stepped in the place of the Good Shepherd. And the problem is, they're not the Good Shepherd. They're not Him. They can never carry the burden of your salvation. They will crush under it your morality will crush your significant other will crush under the weight 
of trying to be the good shepherd because they're just a hired hand. They're not the good shepherd. In the day of trouble, when the wolf comes, you will look for the hired hand, but you will not find it because he has fled in self-preservation because it was never, he was never meant to carry that responsibility of Savior. Of Savior. On the day of your judgment, when you begin to, to look around for your morality, for your significant other, for your bank account, they will no longer be at your side. Because they are not the good shepherd. And they will flee you. But if you have trusted the good shepherd, know that you will find not only joy, but eternal security in the safety of His relentless love. No matter the tack the wolves mount, no matter the strategic plans that the wolves put in place to take you down, they will find a faithful protector. And the only thing more fierce and destructive than the teeth and the claws of the wolf is the relentless and fierce love of the shepherd who loves and protects his sheep. I like the words of C.S. Lewis when he is describing his Christ figure in his books, uh, the, the, the book The Lion of Witch of the Wardrobe, when he says, when they ask, is, is he safe? Is Aslan safe? He says, of course he's not safe, but he's good. And I tell you that your shepherd is not safe, but he's good. If he's coming, if the wolf comes to the wolf that comes to destroy you, he's going to reap the whirlwind of a shepherd who loves you. And to you, the one he protects, he is everything. He is all that is good. He is absolutely good. The way that we know that the shepherd is good is that is this is, is that he will stop at nothing to protect and to serve and to, to lay down himself for the sheep. How do we know that? Because that's exactly what he did. It says in this, uh, in this text, five times it talks about the good shepherd laying down his life. And so we want to look at the sh that the shepherd lays down his life. He lays his own life down. Not only is he good, but he lays his life down for the sheep. Verse 11, the good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. Verse 15, just as the Father knows me and I know the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. Verse 17, for this reason the Father loves me because I lay down my life. Verse 18, no one takes it from me but I lay it down of my own accord. And then, again in verse 18, I have authority to lay it down. The laying down of his life is an event that's soon to be coming in, the, in, the, in his life, and it's something that we, we meditated and thought about Friday, right? As, as, as we thought about that being that day 
when Christ was tortured and crucified. The text wants us to be very clear on something. The voluntary aspect of Christ's death. He speaks over and over again that, that He is laying it down. He, I, I lay it down. And just so we're perfectly clear in verse 18, He says, No one takes it from me, but I lay, down, lay it down of my own accord. It may appear when we look at the, the horrible events of the crucifixion that Jesus is somehow being swept away by evil. That, that He's a victim of Satan's plan to take Him down. And that He's being, as, as, as the Scriptures say, a lamb led to the slaughter. Like He has no control over it. But this verse says, no. No one takes His life. No one takes His life. In fact, when we know when Peter got a little gung-ho, and uh, when the soldiers came to arrest Jesus, he chopped off an ear of a soldier. And what is it that Jesus says in Matthew 25, 53? Do you think that I cannot appeal to my Father, and He will at once send me more than 12 legions of angels? Let me tell you something. The scoffers, the torturers, the men that nailed Him to the cross, all Christ would have had to given was a look or a word. And his father would have annihilated everyone. He was always 100% in control of the events that were happening. He was laying it down. No one, no one was taking it from him. So if he chose this, if Jesus freely chose to lay down his life, then, then the question is, why? Why? Why did he lay his life down? Why did he do that? And I would argue he laid his life down for love. First, he laid down his life for the love of the Father. In verse 15, we see that his love of the Father motivated him to lay down his life. And then in verse 17, uh, the Father's love for him motivated him to lay down his life for the sheep. You see, God's God's justice, uh, God's justice had been put at stake. God's justice had been put at stake. We see in Romans 3.25, in, it says in His divine forbearance, He had passed over former sins. Okay. So Noah, after the ark, gets drunk, or Abraham lies, or David commits adultery and, and orchestrates murder. And yet, God just forgives these people. He passes over their sin momentarily. Why? Because this event was happening. Why is He able to pass over our sin? Because this event happened. God continued to love a rebellious people with grace. But he was able to do that because Christ was going to come. And he was going to be the punishment. He was going to be the one that received that wrath that had been stored up as those other sins were passed over in the moment for that wrath. So Jesus loved the Father and he desired that his holy justice be upheld. So he laid down his life for the love of the Father. 
And second, he lays down his life for, for he and the Father's love for the sheep because he loves us. It says in verse 11 and 15 that Jesus lays down his life for the sheep. So not only was it the love of the Father that motivated him, it was the love for the sheep. Ephesians 2.4 says, But God, being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved. Ephesians 5, 2, And walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. Jesus, because of his great love for us, gave up his life so that we might have But notice, it was not just that Jesus loved us. The Father loved us as well. Verse 17 is an amazing verse. It says, For this reason the Father loves me, because I lay down my life. Matthew Henry, a commentator, said this, What an instance of of." is this of God's love to man that he loved his son the more for loving us. I mean, we know that, that Christ, we know that, that Christ and the Father have loved each other in just ways we can't possibly imagine throughout all of eternity past. And yet this verse says that, that because of these actions on, and because of him laying down his life on the cross, it says, the father, his, he had even more love for him, and, and that love was more manifested. And then we, we as the sheep are invited into that love, that we are made one in Christ, that the same love now that, that the father has for the son has now been placed on the sheep. Because we're in Christ, we're in Christ. What an amazing love the cross demonstrates but there was more to the work of christ than just his death if he had only died he would have been easily forgettable easily dismissed not only did did he lay his life but three days later he took it up again so the shepherd takes back up his life with authority Verse 17, for this reason, the Father loves me because I lay down my life that I may take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down, and I have authority to take it up again. This charge I have received from my Father. Folks, let's not take lightly what is being said here because we've heard it so often and because we've heard it every easter think about the 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 power involved here jesus voluntarily gave up his life he gave up his spirit and he's taken down from the cross and he's wrapped up and he's, he's placed in a tomb And for fear that someone might steal the body, they roll the the giant stone that 
Josh referenced in the wonderful children's sermon this morning. His body was lifeless. Nothing. His followers just, can you imagine the hope? This, this leader that they put everything in and, and they weren't really convinced yet of what all that Jesus had been saying. But Peter, some of the guys, they go back fishing. They go back to where they were before Christ. Because it's over. But it's not over. Because on Sunday morning, all of a sudden, the breath comes back in his lungs. And the, the, the stone is rolled away, and he steps up out of the tomb, and he walks out. And he stomps on the serpent of death as he does it. Folks, we may be able to give our life, but if we give our life, it's like water on the ground. It's gone. But only Jesus has the authority to put his life down and then just take it back up. What amazing power. On the way out of that tomb, he stomped on the serpent of death. And 1 Corinthians 15.20 says, as he delivered that mortal blow to death, that it was just the beginning, it says, but in fact, Christ has been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. For as by a man came death, by a man has also come the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, so also in Christ shall all be made alive, but each in his own order. Christ the first fruits, then at his coming, those who belong to Christ. You see, Adam's sin had brought us death. The consequences, right, of sin is death. And so, so Adam's sin brought us death. But Christ's death, burial, and resurrection brings us life. And as he leaves that tomb, as he, as he deals that mortal blow to death, you know what? He says, I'm just getting started. I'm just the first fruits for my people. My people who believe in me will also be resurrected. Amen. He showed his willingness to complete the assignment that had been given him. He said, I have authority to lay it down and I have authority to take it up again. This charge I have received from my Father. His charge, we could say, was threefold. To live, to live a life in perfect obedience to the Father. To die, to lay down his life as a substitute for the sheep. And third, to resurrect, to take up his life again. That's what he was charged by the Father. And folks, he completed everyone. There is not one thing that you need that was not done for you in the life, the death, and the resurrection of Christ. Everything you need in life was accomplished through his work.
And so Jesus is saying here, I'm going to accomplish it. And we know that he does accomplish it. Accomplish it. And the question becomes, what are you going to do about it? What are you going to do about it? Verse 19, after this discourse, it says, There was again a division among the Jews because of these words. Many of them said, he has a demon and is insane. Why listen to him? Others said, these are not the words of one who is oppressed by a demon. Can a demon open the eyes of the blind? So Jesus has, has laid down, uh, laid out, hey, this is who I am. This is what I'm here to do. I'm here to lay down my life. I'm here to take it up again. And what happens, it says there, there is a division. There is again, again, a division among the people. Because that's what the gospel does. That's what the good news of Christ does. It causes a division among people. It's a division that's spoken of in uh, in 1 Corinthians 1, 18, for the word of the cross is folly to those who are perishing, but to those who are being saved, it is the power of God. A division. Those that think it's crazy and those that think it's power. And people try to get in this middle ground and, oh, he, he was a good guy, he was a, he was a good teacher. Good teachers don't claim to be God, folks. There is no middle ground. Either he's insane or he is Lord. And so let me draw a line of division this Easter morning. What side of that division are you on? Is this gospel foolishness to you or is this gospel power unto salvation? What are you trusting in to give your life meaning? What are you trusting in to get you to heaven if it's not the finished work of Christ? If it's not the finished work of the good shepherd who lived, died, and rose again, it's just a hired hand that's going to fail you. But the good shepherd... He willingly went to the cross and laid down his life. And then with that same authority, he took it back up again. And if you will believe and run to the Good Shepherd this morning, you will be safe in the love of God. You'll be brought into that loving relationship of the Father and the Son. You'll be forgiven of your sins. And you will receive eternal life. So just a, a few moments, we're going to sing a song. I'm going to ask our musicians to go ahead and start making their way up. And uh, I'm going to be down front. There's others around you that would love to talk to you. Listen to me. If you came into this building on one side of the divide, you can walk out of this building believing and being a sheep of God. All you have to do is trust Jesus. All you have to do is, is trust in the one who did all of this for you. That's all you got to do. And so I beg of you on this, on this Easter Sunday morning as we celebrate the new life of the Savior, I pray that you would find new life.
Maybe you're here and you've done that, but you've never publicly made it known through baptism. You've never taken that first step of, of letting people know this is what's happened in my heart, so you haven't been baptized. I would encourage you, I'd love to talk to you about baptism. Maybe you're, you're not committed through membership yet here at Wyatt. We would love to talk to you about that process. But I would ask that you would consider, most of all, whether or not you're one of his sheep, of whether or not you know the good shepherd as the good shepherd. And that only comes through faith in Jesus Christ. And please respond, please stand as I pray and respond to however God has moved uh, through his word this morning for you to respond. Dear Heavenly Father, God, I thank you for the good shepherd. God, I thank you for the life, the death, and the resurrection of your Son. I thank you for the love that you and the Son had for us. That he would take on that work and he would complete that work so that we might have life. God, there's no doubt there are people here who don't know you as the good shepherd. We've never truly trusted you as Savior. I pray that you would draw them to yourself this morning, that your spirit would open their eyes, that they might see your beauty, your love for them, the safety that you offer. God, I pray that they would run, that they would run to you. In Jesus' name I pray.